Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we have gathered here again another Sunday on the day of the Sabbath, Father, to worship you. I pray, God, that our hearts will be right, that we'll humble ourselves to hear your message, that, God, that you open up our ears and our hearts to receive the word that you have for us today. Holy Spirit, we pray against every distraction right now. And I also pray, God, as you transition to the message, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to us. If your presence is not here with us, everything that we do, God, is in vain, Lord. So, God, we invite your presence. Your presence is here with us, Lord. And we look to you, God, at this time. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Okay, let's take a seat. And let's turn to our neighbor and give a big smile. It's a little chilly in here. David's the only one with the t-shirt. With Sarah, too. Whoa, tough. Okay. So today, the message, the title is called, When the Enemy Attacks Us. When the Enemy Attacks. Turn to your neighbor and say, When the Enemy Attacks. When the enemy attacks us, when the devil attacks us, when we are attacked, when we are under fire. It's not if, but it's will. Will. You will be attacked, and you will indeed. So when you are attacked, the question is, will you be ready? I usually don't dream a lot when I sleep. When I sleep, I usually just pass out like this. And then I wake up, and it's like a new day. But this whole week, I've been having dreams, uh, like bad dreams, like nightmares, you could say, uh, like real life stuff, not like those ghost weird things, but like real life situations. The Saturday one was bad because it was Pareiko, and then was, oh, it was, I woke up and I was like, wow, really? Really then? And it was a bad dream, but following that Saturday, uh, Saturday we had that bike riding. So right before the bike riding, uh, I usually wait till Friday to start on my messages. Uh, I, I just wait because I wait for this, the timing and just to just to make sure that, that it's from God. But before that, I take notes. Some of you have seen me take notes on my phone whenever I, I get ideas. And uh, by Saturday morning, I woke up really early from this bad dream. I woke up and I just went to another room to pray. And I was on my knees as I was praying. I took out my phone and I just started writing on my notes. Writing, 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 writing. And my eyes were like half open. I was like writing. I was getting really frustrated with my iPhone because iPhone is the worst note thing. It's like, uh, and I like mess up. And I, I'm like do, doing this half the time. I'm like doing it for like 30 minutes. I'm just writing, writing. And by the time that my legs fall asleep, I'm like, ah. Oh, and then I was like in a weird position because I was like really tired. And I finished writing. And then we went to bike riding. And then I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to make sure that I look at my notes. And we do this message. And we do this message right and then I went home, made sure we, I polished it, and this is the message uh, that I am here to present to you guys, for us, for our church, for this season. And I believe that God wants to speak to us today. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, when the enemy attacks. So the scripture today, the reference is found in John chapter 10, verse 1 through 21. It says, starting from verse 1, it says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate... But climbs in by some other way. It is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listens to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he has a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father know me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? A lot of people get this text wrong because this text is not really about Satan. Right? It's talking about selfish, false teachers, leaders, who fed themselves to become fat. It's a reference to Ezekiel chapter 34. This is very important because a lot of people will use the passage, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. They talk about sin and that's it. But this is really talking about in reference to selfish, false leaders, shepherds. Ezekiel 34 is a reference to John 10, which talks of religious leaders getting fat on the sheep that they are meant to protect and to uphold. So in Ezekiel 34, it says, God is speaking here and he says, Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there, were no sh- there was no shepherds. And they were scattered. They became food for all the wild animals. The sheep wandered over the mountains and every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds. I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove from them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock, when he is with them, so will I look for my sheep. I will rescue them for the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. 
I'll bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I'll bring them into their own land. I'll pasture them in the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the settlements of the land. I'll tend them in good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be grazing land. Then they will lie down in good grazing land and then they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountain of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So going back to John 10, this passage isn't really about Satan. Does that mean Satan doesn't steal, kill, and destroy? Nope. Satan does steal, kill, and destroy. But Satan uses puppets, uses false teachers every day to do his bidding and to do his work, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why in verse 20, in John 10, right, they are the ones who are being used by the devil, right? But they turn, they are the false teachers, they turn on Jesus and they say to Jesus in verse 20, many of them said to Jesus, he is demon-possessed, a raving man. Why listen to him? They accused Jesus of being demon-possessed when clearly they were being used as agents for the devil himself. So important points we're going to go over today. Number one, I have three points, three main points. And number one is this. You have to be aware, be aware that the devil exists and always look to God. I'll say it again. Be aware that the devil exists and always look to God to God. You have to be aware right now as you're sitting in your seat that the devil exists. Do you know what the enemy's greatest weapon and his strategy is? It's to make you believe that he doesn't exist. You know, I'm like a history guy and I love history, like Vietnam War with the whole French thing and you know, the way that they fight was through guerrilla warfare. Right? What they would do is they would hide in the jungle, they would go under tunnel, they would hide and camouflage themselves where planes can't see them, and that's how they would win the war. The French army got destroyed, and you see the guerrilla warfare in Vietnam, and there's a guy that quote, and he said, just to wake up another day, an American army soldier, he said, just to wake up another day, just to walk, I felt brave. Because he knew at any moment that from a hidden area, someone would come in, and and he saw his friends, his colleagues, they died. And he saw the danger that was lurking in the woods. In the book, The Screwtape Letter by C.S. Lewis, it's a letter from the Uncle Screwtape to Wormwood. So it says, Dear Wormwood. So that's why it's called Screwtape Letter. Screwtape is the uncle demon. He's writing to his nephew demon. And he's writing a letter to him. He says, My dear Wormwood, in his letter, he says, I wonder you should ask me whether it is essential to keep the patient. Who is the patient? You are the patient, patient in ignorance of your own existence. That question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the high command. It's their high command. It's Satan himself. Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with the cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and septics, at least not yet. 
I have great hope that we shall learn in due time how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is in effect believed in us, though not under the name, will creep in while the human mind remains closed. Belief in the enemy. The life force, quote unquote, the life force, the worship of sex and some aspects of psychoanalysis may here prove useful if once we can produce our perfect work. The materialist magician, the man not using, but variably worshipping, that he vaguely calls forces while denying the existence of spirits, then the end of the war will be in sight. But in the meantime, we must obey our orders. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that quote-unquote devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. And any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind. Suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook, method of confusing them. He therefore cannot believe in you. The devil wants you to believe that he doesn't exist. Just a person with red tights, a fork and just whatever, a comic figure, a, f- a work of fiction. But here is the truth. You have a real enemy that desires to kill you. He hates you. He wants to kill you. The devil wants you to believe that you are not that important and that you are not worth attacking. But the truth is that the enemy lurks in your dreams. He lurks in your thoughts. He lurks in your relationships. And he desires to destroy you inside out. Every way he can, he desires to destroy you from outside in. With every attack possible. But the key is, he does it in your blind side. He does it without looking. What is the goal of anything, any sport? It's to trick your enemy. Right? It's the counter that they don't see. It's the plan that they don't see and you catch them off guard and that's how you win the battle. That's the enemy's tactic. He lurks in your thoughts. He lurks in your dreams. He lurks in your relationships. First Peter 5.8, it says this, Be alert. Be alert and of sober mind. Again, the reference is First Peter 5.8. You have to remember this passage. Memorize this passage. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, meaning the great enemy, the adversary, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle... Is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Meaning it's the authorities of the unseen world. It's the world that we cannot see with our physical eyes. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. For again, your fight is not flesh and blood. Your fight is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I have two from point number one, I have two sub-points for you. So it's divided into letter A and B. A, it says, know your worth. And because you are worth it, the devil is out to destroy you. If you are not important, he will not be attacking you. Your life will be easy. But because you are a threat to his kingdom of darkness, because you are worth it, because you are important, the devil seeks to destroy your life. B, know the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, know the truth. Question, what is the truth? 
Number one, the devil hates you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil hates you. And say, I love you. No, don't say that. The devil hates you. <laughs> David and Joshua. Too much giggle there. Okay. Any moment, the devil will attack you. You see documentaries on war. You see, you hear about civilians who are living in fear because at any moment, you know, bombs will come, soldiers will come in. They're living in constant fear. In Pearl Harbor, it says in History Channel, in the website, it says on December 7, 1941, just before 8 a.m. on that Sunday morning, hundreds of Japanese fighter planes descended on the base, kamikaze, where they managed to destroy or damage nearly 20 American naval vessels including eight battleships and over 300 airplanes. More than 2,400 Americans died in the attack, including civilians, and another 1,000 people were wounded. I believe it was a Sunday. It was when people relaxed. It was when you were relaxed. That's when the devil comes and he attacks you when you least expect. And we see the history of not just mankind, of humans, not just men in general, but women especially. You know, woman's history is a very sad one indeed, right? It's not the most noble story. When I was younger, in my 20s, I read a book called Wild at Heart. We've done it with discipleship. And then we've done, and we led into the the woman's version, which is unveiling the mystery of the woman's soul. So I went ahead and I read that book also just to have a better and a fuller understanding of man and woman. And the book mentions that the history of mankind and woman is not a noble story. That woman somehow seems to be, quote-unquote, a special target, and they receive extra special hatred ever since they left the Garden of Eden. So we know about China, about feet binding. It was outlawed in 1930. Only about 90 years ago, it was, it was outlawed, but yet it continued on long after that. There's a Chinese proverb in the book. It says, a woman should be like water. She should take no form. Goes on to say, a, a Jewish man has a prayer that says, Thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile, a woman, or a slave. Woman falls into that category. Equal to slave. Indian Proverbs that says, Educating a woman is like watering your neighbor's garden. So in Hinduism, we see that cow was seen to have more value than woman. It's a controversial question indeed. But we see that cow somehow has more Reverence then towards their attitude towards women. In Islam, a woman's testimony does not equal to a man's testimony. In parts of the world, in parts of Africa, they say a sexually aware woman is thought to be dangerous. So they, in order to control the woman, they mutilate the body part, the general area of the woman, to never feel sexual pleasure ever again. And we see the attack of the enemy, that the devil is active. He's using his instruments, his people to do his bidding, to do his work. So what is the solution to this? This is going to eventually lead to the main point number two. So stay with me now. The solution, what is the solution? Stand up, man and woman of God. Stand up. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand up. You must fight the good fight. You must know that you are under attack. You have to know that you have a serious and a real and dangerous enemy lurking around to kill you. In competition, in any sport, the moment you take advantage or take lightly of your opponent, that's when you will lose. You have to understand that at any moment, 
that you will get knocked out or that you could lose. You have to give every, every opponent, you got to give it your best. The problem here is that we are passive, passiveness. Men, turn to the person next to you. For the men, choose a brother and say, passiveness is, is one of the most danger for the men, being passive. When Adam and Eve, as Eve was tempted in the garden, we see that Adam, Adam wasn't with the animals playing catch and doing other stuff with the animals on the side. Like he wasn't away getting food and then Eve was alone in the garden and she was just doing her thing. It said in the Bible that Adam was right there when Eve was being tempted. And what did Adam do? Adam did nothing. In the end, they blamed each other though. Eve blamed the serpent. The serpent made me do it. The man blamed the woman. The woman made me do it. So for the men, being passive is one of your greatest failures. And we see even now in our modern day with the Gillette commercial that the world wants you to be submissive. The, the world wants you to be weak, to not be a protector, to run away when faced with opposition. But for the men, you have to stand up. When you're among with your group of friends and your friends are talking about things about women or degrading them, dating and doing things and talking about topics that they shouldn't be talking. When we see when that happens as men, we, we stay quiet. And we actually join in the conversation because we don't want to seem like someone who is a loser or but a true man of God will stand up and will protect the sisters in the church. You'll protect the individual. You have to remember your mother. You have to remember your sisters. You have to remember the friends that you have, the sisters in the church that you are called to uphold and to protect. And that is what we are called to do as men of God. Looking to Jesus, right, as our example. Jesus is not some weak individual, the way people portray him to be. You know, he's usually if you see the crucifix, Jesus is really skinny, weak on the cross. But you can't forget that Jesus was a leader among men. What Christ accomplished, there's no greater individual could have ever accomplished. No one that can compare to what he did, to who he is. There's nothing more courageous and more brave than the work of the cross. I'll say that again. There's nothing more courageous and more brave than the work of the cross. Think about it. Christ is the creator himself. Do you know how powerful Jesus Christ is? Jesus Christ is so powerful that in Matthew 26, that as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, as the soldiers, these little small men, came and they thought they were in control, when they came, and it says in verse 2, Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Jesus is saying, you think that it's because I'm powerless that this is happening? At an instant I could call my father and he will send 12 legions of angels. He will destroy all of you all at once. Do you know how powerful I am? This is like one of the most gangster lines ever, right? She's like, don't you know that I could destroy all of you like in an instant? No other line could match this line. Do you think that I cannot call my father and he will once, at once put up at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And when we read this, we remember that true strength doesn't come from bullying people when we try to flex so hard. That true strength is power under control. We talked about this. You do martial arts, not so that you can go and you can hurt other people. So that you could bully other people to show how strong you are. No, it's power under control. You train and only use it when it is absolutely necessary. 
But at the same time, you know that you are capable of great damage, but you choose to remain calm and you walk away. And that's what's happening here. Jesus is choosing to walk away. And that takes courage. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? This is Jesus speaking. In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I said in the temple courts, teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. We understand that Jesus is choosing to be humble. Philippians 2, 6, 8, it says, Who being in very nature God, this is Paul writing, talking about Jesus Christ, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus Christ, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You have to remember that Jesus submitted to God's will. If Jesus submitted to God's will, who are you? Who are we to not submit to God's will? Jesus chose to submit to quote-unquote men as it seemed that way. For Jesus knew that this was the will of God for this time. That is why. And how foolish for these men, little men, for the little devil to think that they have won. You know, think about it. In hell, they're celebrating. Yeah, we got Jesus. We're going to kill him now. We're going to do it. What nonsense. They have no idea that Jesus Christ is God himself. Is the Messiah. Is the creator of the universe. He's the great I am. John 10, 18 says, no one takes it from me. Jesus saying, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. He's talking about his resurrection. He said, nothing will destroy me. He's saying, I am choosing to do this because I have authority to take it up. Again, authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So number one in B was, again, the devil hates you. And number two, my God is stronger. Turn to your neighbor and say, my God is stronger. You have to remember that no matter how strong the enemy is, that God is always stronger. Okay? If you look at your bracelet, if you're wearing it, First John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have what? Overcome them. Because the one who is in you, who is in you is Jesus Christ. The one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is in the world? That's the devil. The Bible says Satan is the prince of this world. He's the ruler of this world. But the one who is in us is greater and stronger than the one who is in the world. And then it goes on. In 1 Corinthians 15, we have what? Verse what? 15, wow, okay, 57, yes. But let's go back a few verses before. And he was like, 57, looking at this bracelet. But let's go to 55 and 57. It says, where all death is your victory? Where all death is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then approach God's throne with what? Confidence. Confidence. Turn to your neighbor and say confidence. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Number three. This is all under letter B. There is power in the name of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say there is power in the name of Jesus. This is very important. Always pray in the name of Jesus. When you pray, don't just say, Dear God, thank you for this food. Amen. Say, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's power in his name. When you're attacked in your sleep, listen to me, for those who have nightmares, who are afraid of the dark, and he still uses the Hello Kitty, the light, and to make you fall asleep and you feel safe, there's power in his name. When you're attacked in your sleep, pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In Luke 10, it says, in verse 17, the 72 return with joy. It said, Lord, even the demons submit to us, what? In your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. It says, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. It doesn't say the demons submit to us, but it says they submit to us in the name of Jesus Christ, in his name. The Bible is all about the name, Romans 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Acts 3, then Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I given you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. The name of the Lord is fortified strong towers, as in Proverbs 18.10. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14. And we have to remember that there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. So remember this. Remember these points. That when you're attacked by the enemy, that you have a real enemy out to destroy you. Remember that your God, my God, our God, is stronger. We must pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, number two. I stay with me. Two and three is not long. One was the longest. Number two, wield the word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, wield the word of God. <laughs> Who are you talking to, Ryan? Are you talking to me? Yes, thank you. Wield the word of God. The word is the sword. The sword of God is effective and powerful. If you had a choice of a weapon, which one would you choose? The one that's made of bamboo or the one that's made out of real metal? Like imagine Walking Dead, uh, Michonne, she walks around with a bamboo stick, with <laughs> the bamboo sword. What is she going to do? But you have to carry a real sharpened sword. Then it will be effective. So you have to wield the word of God. You have to see the word of God as your weapon, as the sword of God is effective and powerful. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is what? Alive and Active, active meaning powerful. It is powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, 
joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts, meaning your innermost thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires, the intentions of the heart. It exposes everything. It judges the heart and the attitudes of the heart. The Bible goes on referencing the word of God as a sword. Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the what? Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How are you going to fight the enemy without the word of God? Even Jesus Christ, when he was tempted in the desert for 40 days, how did Jesus fight the enemy? He fought against the enemy with the word of God. So the best defense is a good offense. This goes to every sport, football, MMA, or even the movie that we saw, the movie Miracle. Do you remember in the beginning of the scene? What did the coach say? Every year we've been playing defensively, you know, waiting for them to attack, doing the same thing everywhere and always losing every year. But instead of playing defensively like how we did in all in the years past, now it's time to fight and beat them at their own game. To attack. To attack. Constantly attack. And it's vice versa. The best defense is a good offense. The best offense is a good defense. We use the sword of God. We use the word of God. Vice versa, but always using and wielding the word of God. The key here is the word of God. Turn to your neighbor again and say, wield the word of God. Okay, number three, last point. Uh, you have already overcome. You have already overcome. Let's turn to our neighbor and say, you have already, you have already. overcome. And shout it out. Overcome. You won already. Uh, you may win many battles in this lifetime, or you may lose many battles in this lifetime. You may win some, you may lose some. But in the end, through Jesus Christ, we have already won because Jesus died on the cross and he doesn't remain on the crucifix. He doesn't remain in the grave. He overcame death and he rose again and he has already overcome. The devil has nothing on you. Guys, we've already won the war. The war is done. But we are fighting the battles here in this life. The little battles. We will win some battles we will lose some battles. But the goal, you have to remind yourself that through Jesus Christ, that you have already overcome. First John 2.14. I'm going to share four scriptures with you, and we're ending. First John 2.14, it says this. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers. Fathers meaning mature in faith, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. So it's writing to three audiences, children, father, and to the young men. Three times as I write to you. Because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have what? Overcome the evil one. Not you will, but you have. You've already done it through Jesus Christ. First John chapter 4, verse 4. We talked about this earlier in our bracelet. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome. Then, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Third scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 to 57. It says, where of death is your victory, where of death is your stain. Again, this is in your bracelet. 
Just 57 though. But remember 55 and 56. Where or death is your victory? Where or death is your sting? Death is the worst thing that can happen to us as human beings. All of life is about surviving death. Prolonging our life. When we die, when death comes, that's it. There's nothing more and nothing less. Naked we are born, naked we will depart. Where all death is your victory. Where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us what? Victory. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that. Even in death, we have victory. And last scripture, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So let us approach God's throne with grace with confidence. With confidence. Why? Because you have already overcome. Don't let the enemy keep you in the dark, keep you in guilt and shame just because you've lost a few battles in your life. You failed, okay, so what? We all fall. That's the nature of a human being. We all fall. But the goal is to do it again, again, and again. Remind yourself that through Jesus Christ that you have victory and that you need to rise again. Man of God, you need to step up. When we hear people talking or our friends degrading women and our sisters and you cannot join in that conversation you need to step up you need to be a man of God you need to know and you have to understand that you are called to protect and you are called to uphold the ladies in our lives it doesn't mean that women are helpless they are individuals ladies you have to remember that there's a special hatred against you from the enemy that the devil desires to seek you and to kill you and destroy you and you see it in history you see the attack of what the devil does to the woman, the ladies, because you guys are beautiful and you guys are a daughter of God. Because you are precious, the enemy desires to seek you and destroy you. We need each other. Men and women of God, we need to stand up. You have to remember that the devil exists, that the enemy is real, that he seeks to destroy all of us, that we cannot be his instrument to steal, kill, and destroy. Just like what we read in John chapter 10. But we are called to be faithful and look to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and, and live in victory. Remember that we can overcome, that we have already overcome through Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's go over the points real quick. Just to finalize, the reference was John 10. Uh, reference was Ezekiel 34, which talks about John 10. Number one is what? Ready? One, two, three. Okay, and then what were the sub points? Letter A. Know your worth. B. Under B is one. Okay, two. Right, there's no conviction. I don't, I don't believe you. Okay, number three. Right, he's like, there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. Okay, number two, point number two, main point number two is what? Will the word of God. Amen. Number three, you have already overcome. 
Amen and Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask the priest to come up. Just with your eyes closed. As we reflect upon the message today. That there is an enemy out there. That desires and that seeks to destroy you and to kill you. So when the devil attacks us, what do we do? We look to God. We look to God. Know that the one who is in you is stronger and greater than the one who is out in the world. Simple as that. I could have just said that in the beginning. I could have just finished it with that. You need to look to God. You are not strong to do it on your own. The devil will destroy you. But through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have victory in His name. That when we pray in His name, that the devil submits. The devil has no power over you. For there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, just like me, maybe you, some of you, you've been getting attacked this week a lot. It may not be in your dreams. But maybe in your thought life, or maybe in your relationships, or even in your schools, in your studies, whatever it may be, we need to go to God right now. We need to run after the Father. We need to pray in His name. We need to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. So right now, as you have gathered together here on the Sabbath, together as a church, Remember, you are not meant to fight this fight alone, this race alone. We are meant to support one another. We are meant to intercede and pray for one another. To lift one another up, each other up. To encourage one another to be a church. Remind yourself and remind your brother and sister who are sitting next to you. That we are in it to fight this fight together. And that we will not be overcome by the attack of the enemy. For the one who is in us. For the one who is in you is stronger and greater than the one who is out in the world. Remember that. Do not live in fear, for fear does not come from God. It says perfect love casts out all fear. And you are in perfect love. And that perfect love is Jesus Christ. The love of God, the love of Jesus Christ. The agape love of God, it cannot be replaced. It cannot be substituted for anything else. Remind yourself today who your God is. You do not serve a weak God, a God who is weak, a God who is skinny, a God who was mistreated because he had no power to control. Jesus could, he could have, but he chose, he chose to walk in humanity. And that was what makes him great, and that is what makes him amazing. Therefore, as Christians, men and women of God, we must stand up. You must stand up and fight. Know that you are under attack. Know that you have a red laser dot right on your forehead. That you are at any moment that the enemy desires to kill you, to steal, kill, and destroy. So right now with our own voices at this time, let us surrender to God. All the things that's in your heart right now. All the worries, all the fear, all the doubt, all the attacks. 
Let's look to God right now. Let's pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about who's sitting next to you. This is between you and God. Look to Him, for He is your Savior. He is your Messiah. We need to look to Him right now. We need to ask Him to strengthen us, to encourage us, and to protect us. Can we pray together as a church? Pray for yourself. And as you have pray, finished praying for yourself, let's go ahead and pray for the one who is sitting next to us. Let's pray together as a church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let's pray.
This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I'll remove them from tending the flocks so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I'll rescue my flock from the mouths and will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered, scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look, for my, look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. On a day of clouds and darkness, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in the sediments in the land. I will tend them in good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. Then there they will lie down in good grazing land. And there they will feed in a rich pasture. On the mountains of Israel, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and, the str- and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Father, even though we live in this broken world, even though there are many, many teachers, false teachers, Many pastors who are so concerned in this day and age with image and lights and flashy things. God, we have forgotten that it's about the 99 for one. We have forgotten the real reason why we have been called. So God, I pray, God, that as a church, that we will remember of why we do what we do. Father, I pray, God, that this church will be a faithful church. That even when we are under attack, and we will that is a guarantee but even when we're attacked that we will not live in fear that we have nothing to be afraid of for God for you are with us for you will uphold us you are the great shepherd you are the great shepherd who will search who will go up and down through the valleys of high and low to search for the lost thank you for binding up the lost thank you for the binding up the broken Thank you for bringing us together, God, as a church. This church, who are we? That you love us, that you care for us. Thank you for remembering us. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for tending us. Thank you for bringing us back home. Father, thank you for just healing us from our injuries. Thank you for strengthening us for those who are weak. Father, thank you for God, you are our shepherd. We're full of justice. Full of justice. God, we look to you, Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that as we enter a new week, that we will not live in fear. For God, fear does not come from you. Perfect love casts out all fear. So God, we look to you, God, at this time. We are filled with encouragement at this time. We are filled with courage and confidence in your name, O God. The devil can throw anything. And we laugh because, God, it will do nothing. You will do nothing. You may sting a little, but what else can you do? We've already won. We've already won through Jesus Christ. He has already overcame death. He overcame death, death itself. All death, where is your victory? All death, where is your sting? We have victory through Jesus Christ. Victory through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for your word. 
thank you for just your promise of who you are. We look to you, God, at this time. We love you. We praise you. We pray all these things in your precious son. Just because of my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And.